I'm Gabriela Fresquez, and this is Radar 2021. It's no secret that we millennials love to treat ourselves. Our palates are primed for avocado toast and gourmet coffee, and our reliance on rideshare apps paired with compulsive online shopping habits make our Apple wallets particularly vulnerable. Fact is, millennials are the generation with the fastest growing debt, with Gen Zers not too far behind. But our increasing debt has little to do with us living our best lives and almost everything to do with student loan debt. And if you add up just the federal student loan debt that nearly 45 million of us have amassed, we've rung up an over $1.6 trillion tap. In fact, student loan debt is now 70% larger than credit card debt. It used to be that getting a degree was a way out of poverty, a move toward achieving the American dream. And when we're young, we're encouraged to invest in our education, especially if you're the child of baby boomer immigrant parents who consider any profession other than a doctor or lawyer to be a total waste of time. And on average, college graduates earn about 80% more than those with only a high school diploma. So mom and dad had a point about getting a degree, but they still don't know my night school was for improv classes rather than LSAT prep. But is it safe to say that taking on piles of debt before ever learning how to properly fold a fitted sheet is worth it? Or do colleges purposefully prey on our youthful optimism or the parental bragging rights that getting into a fancy four-year university can offer? Should I have studied bankruptcy law? College in America. It's four years of all-nighters, keg stands, ethnically diverse welcome brochures, Pinterest-perfect dorm rooms, and crushing student debt. I have $16,812. You can't point at someone and say, this person made your student debt load so much more. It's the whole system. And that system affects about one in five U.S. adults. But what happens if you just can't pay? Say you lose your job or suffer a medical emergency or are suddenly victimized by a pandemic-induced recession. Defaulting on a loan, which happens after 270 days of not paying it, can do serious damage to your credit and relegate you to the status of financial pariah. 40% of the people who are dealing right now with student loan debt do not have a college diploma. These are people who did what we wanted them to do. They tried, but for one reason or another, they couldn't make it. These are people right now who are earning what a high school grad can earn, but who are struggling with student loan debt. I went to UMass Amherst, and I don't actually have my degree yet. I'm one class short. I'm just waiting until I have some money. When you're 17 and you think of $20,000, if you you didn't grow up in money, you don't even know what that is means. Like, how big is that? I don't know. I can't even think about it. I don't know how to build my credit. (laughs) Um, Getting housing is extremely difficult because any rental company, they require a credit check. And my debt to income ratio is obscene. And if your debt still isn't paid after default, federal loan agencies can and will come after you. The federal government has really strong powers to compel repayment. And besides it ruining your credit, 
Uh, they can garnish your wages up to 15%. They can intercept your federal and state income tax refunds. They can intercept lottery winnings. Um, they can also garnish up to 15% of your Social Security re- retirement and disability benefit payments. Unlike the mafia, the feds won't break your legs. Just your spirit, your reputation, and any opportunity to regain financial upward mobility. The fact is that over the past two decades, college tuition has increased in price more than any other good or service besides hospital care. There's a reason our parents were able to work their way through college and graduate without debt. Since 1978, the cost of a college degree has risen 159%. Yes, it's expensive, but here's the thing. Having a degree is still essential in most professional fields, despite what Elon Musk might have told you. There's no need even to have a college degree. And even trade and for-profit colleges that boast of being more practical and affordable are often far from any of that. An option students turn to for a more flexible and at times more affordable path to a degree are for-profit colleges like University of Phoenix or DeVry University. The industry has been in flux, but today, a little more than 900,000 students attend for-profit colleges in the U.S., many of whom use federal loans to help cover the cost. Despite for-profits being just a small fraction of all colleges in the U.S., for-profit students default on their student debt at a much higher rate. So does that mean that non-profit colleges are a better way to keep out of debt? I wish it were that simple. You want to have the college dream without the student debt because you're just coming into something and you feel like, I'm going to have all this independence, I'll be able to pick my own classes, I'll have this freedom I've never had before. So you want to go to the, the coolest place you can. While the sticker price of nonprofit colleges are rising, so is the tuition discount rate. The price you see on a college website is higher than what many students end up actually paying. You would think that most of the money is going to the cost of running the school, but nearly half of undergrad tuition at nonprofits goes to help other people pay for their schooling. And in the midst of a pandemic, many borrowers have put their student loan payments on hold thanks to federal forbearance, which President Biden recently extended through executive order. The president asked the Department of Education to extend the pause on student loan payments and interest. But there's been no relief for private loan borrowers. And as it is, private loans tend to be more expensive and typically don't offer assistance in the form of fixed interest rates or income-driven repayment plans. And for students who are currently enrolled in college, well, uh, they're dealing with an entirely different kind of financial upheaval. You really want to be in class. You want to learn from these incredible professors. The school joined the likes of Georgetown and George Washington by offering a 10% discount on tuition to help offset students' disappointment. Others going online this fall, including Harvard, Pepperdine, and the University of San Diego, are not changing tuition fees, even as some students are suing for tuition refunds from spring semester. With in-person learning on college campuses being canceled through 2020 and into 2021, students have had to reevaluate if an online educational experience is worth the cost. And what's to evaluate? Online learning eliminates all of the perks of the college experience, like meeting new people, living away from your parents, joining student clubs, access to campus facilities and events, guest speakers, tailgate parties, though your liver might be better off without the last one. Even merit-based scholarships are mostly insufficient. 
For the 2015-2016 collegiate school year, only 0.2% of students got $25,000 or more in scholarships per year. Bringing the odds of the elusive full ride down to a tiny decimal. Being academically or athletically gifted always helps, but it doesn't guarantee a student will receive a significant amount of financial aid. So, who are the borrowers left to figure out how to manage this often debilitating debt? Over the past 15 years, student loan balances for blacks have been rising faster and are now greater than for whites. While overall debt at graduation is about $30,000, New York Fed data shows that the average student loan balance in mostly black neighborhoods is above $37,000. Data shows that black millennial borrowers take out bigger loans than their white counterparts, whereas Latinxes take out significantly less than either, which isn't necessarily a good thing. Because while Latinx students are going to college at historic rates, graduation rates still lack, which might begin to explain why Latinxes tend to default at twice the rate of white students within a decade. And Latinx immigrant families tend to have unique challenges in navigating higher education in general. In the U.S., the steady rise of Latinx college enrollment is often celebrated. But the truth is, it's been no easy feat. Common hurdles such as low financial resources, language proficiency challenges, and inadequate career guidance are just some of the barriers they've had to collectively overcome. Nearly half of Latinx students are the first to go to college which means they're less likely to have an elder help them navigate the higher education ropes. You know, someone to show them how to apply for college or how not to fall victim to predatory lending. In fact, about 70% of Latinx undergrads come from the bottom half of earners in the U.S., making them more likely to drop out than their higher income peers. And without a degree in hand, the chances of earning a meaningful salary to pay off their student loans are slim. In order to close the equity gap, Latinx will need to meet a quota earn 6.3 million degrees by 2030. Experts urge borrowers to consider borrowing based on the projected income of your chosen field. You know, assuming you know exactly what that is on day one as a college freshman. As students look at the equation for how much they should borrow when they go to college, they ought to be thinking of the uh, total debt that they take on as not being more than 10 to 15% of what their earnings going to be when they uh, leave college. So if your plan includes attending Columbia University at an average cost of 60K per year, you might want to consider studying nuclear engineering or marrying a Kardashian. And while teaching is arguably one of society's most admirable professions, mom and dad were pushing for that medical degree for good reason. In 2017, I decided to return to school. I wanted to gain more knowledge so that I could serve our community in a greater capacity. The first day that I applied for that student loan, the debt was already in the back of my mind. It was a cloud over me. The idea of paying over $120,000 back without the interest included is, is frightening. Hospitals in South Florida are asking the state for help. This week, 100 healthcare workers will head to Jackson Memorial Hospital in Miami so that it can increase its capacity. During this time when the, we, my organization truly needed me and others, we stepped up, we left our primary roles, and as a registered nurse, I returned back to the bedside and observed in assistance of PPE, getting supplies, whatever it was that they needed from me, I assisted with the patients. I didn't know how I was gonna get through the pandemic mentally, emotionally, physically, but I was so grateful that at least one stressor, my repayments of my loan, 
were going to be on hold at least for a while. It would be a dream if we could get some sort of forgiveness, especially the essential workers. During this time when you called on us, we stepped up and not only did we step up, we took it with open arms. So I'm asking that the Biden administration really listen to us and ask us what we need to continue so that we can sustain this role, continuing to serve others that need us. Many students who struggle to repay their debt just aren't aware of their options for dealing with it, like deferments or refinancing or income-driven repayment. Your adjusted gross income, uh, it's, if it's less than 150% of the poverty line, your monthly payment will be zero. Zero monthly payments actually count as payments. And after 20 or 25 years, the remaining debt will be forgiven. However you choose to manage your loans, whether it's income-driven repayment or casually screaming into a pillow every time you check your Nelnet account balance, the important thing is that you know your options. After you graduated, you ended up with about $200,000 in debt. And you became debt-free in two years, which is mm-hmm. astonishing. You are debt-free. Yay! And we promised and added your account tomorrow. I'm you kind of just have to commit to the goal of being financially free. Um, I mean, I ignored my my debt for like eight years, and that's how it grew to be such a large amount. Um, and then one day, one of my dogs, Luke, had to get an emergency surgery, and I couldn't afford it. And it was at that moment that I realized that I needed to kind of change my financial life because now I have a family I need to support. It took two years of lots of working, lots of frustration, lots of tears. The only way to pay off your loans as quick as possible is to just make more money or spend less money, but throw as much money as you can on top of your principal month minimum payment. And so if that means that you have to do take a second job or if that means you can't go on vacation and you use that money to pay towards your debt or you just have to make some other sacrifice and that's just something that you have to do and it's easier said than done I fully understand that um, but I guess it really just depends on how badly you want to be debt free. When it comes to canceling federal loans, President Joe Biden has said that he would support congressional action to cancel $10,000 per borrower, while Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer is pushing for five times that amount. We are here today to introduce our proposal to cancel $50,000 in student debt and take a huge burden off so many people in America. But the fact that so many borrowers are looking to the government for a break is a sign of one inevitable truth. Higher education in America is an overpriced, broken system that exploits our desire to build a better financial future through higher learning. There really is no such thing as free college. But is it really that radical to explore how to make it more affordable? What's good, everyone? My name is Adam Levine Perez. Not to be mistaken with the lead singer of Maroon 5, He's a pop star. I'm a teacher from the Bronx. But as an urban educator, I've always been a strong advocate for higher education. However, higher education shouldn't mean higher tuition. One of the problems I see is how colleges and universities market themselves. We are led to believe that if something is shinier, fancier, or more popular, then it must be better, right? Like somehow the education there is worth 10 times the price of a local city or county school. And that's not always the case. 
And I want to be very clear, I'm in no way, shape, or form bashing Ivy Leagues either. What I am saying is, let's be more practical and rational when it comes time to pick a college or university. Take me, for example. I knew I've always wanted to become a teacher. But I also know that teaching isn't the wealthiest career choice. So I made the calculated decision to go to my local city university. Shout out to Lehman College, you heard? Where tuition there was a fraction of the cost compared to Fordham University or NYU. And before I knew it, I had my master's degree, teaching experience, all without any major college debt. Now I remember telling my students this exact story. And even comparing myself to some of my colleagues saying, both of us have the same job and even get paid pretty much the same. But only one of us is $30,000 of debt. Now I remember my students' eyes lighting up and being like, ooh, I see what you did there, mister. Not bad for a Latino kid from the South Bronx. And for those who might argue that making things like higher education more accessible is un-American, consider the educational opportunities the GI Bill has given to millions of Americans. In 1944, the GI Bill was signed into law, giving veterans money to attend school. Just a few years later, nearly half of Americans enrolled in college were veterans. You cannot underestimate the GI Bill. This educated an entire generation of men, and some women too, and it opened the doors. People who hadn't even thought that they might go to college. Until we have more affordable education in the U.S., our best bet is to educate ourselves about education, because there are options. And depending who you ask, not everyone will agree that formal college is even necessary in the digital age. Colleges are basically for fun and to prove you can do your chores, but they're not for learning. Good luck convincing Mama Fresquez. I'm Gabriela Fresquez for Radar 2021. Thanks for watching Radar 2021. Please like, subscribe, and comment down below and let us know what issues are important to you. Because let's be honest, there are a lot of issues to choose from. <laughs> so, so many.